You're listening to the Business Shorts Podcast, where we interview successful small business owners in unique markets, all in under 30 minutes. If you want to start a small business and you're not sure what market to enter, or you're looking for actionable advice on how to improve your existing business, you're in the right place. For more information, show notes, and more, check out bshortspodcast.com. Today on the show, we have Jim Mariano joining us with BackyardTentRental.com. Now, I found Jim on Reddit, and he's been really helpful on the entrepreneur community, just answering questions, and it seems like he's built a nice little business for himself renting tents for uh, events and such. So I will let Jim introduce himself from here. Jim, welcome to the show. Yeah, hey, guys. Thank you for uh, thanks for inviting me. And uh, yeah, my name is Jim Mariano. I own Backyard Tent Rental, and uh, it's been... Since 2008, it was a little side business, and it's now the full-time thing, and happy to happy to go through it with you guys. So what would you say your core business is? So our core business, primarily driven by tents, but the core package that we sell really is a full tent rental package. So tents, tables, chairs, lights, things like that. So one of the things I noticed pretty early was a, a heavy, overwhelming number of our customers are women and putting things together in kind of convenient packages rather than using, you know, kind of insider jargon like a 20 by 30 uh, high peak frame tent doesn't really mean anything to anybody. But a 60 person package is a, you know, is a really nice way to, to, to get somebody to understand what it is that they need. No, that's a, that's a great way to think about it. I like how you kind of put a spin on it. So can you tell us about your business in terms of how many tents do you have and how many different models and kind of generally how often you rent type thing? Sure. Yeah. So in the tent rental business, I, I think everybody kind of starts off the same way. Everybody starts off with a couple of, you know, old ratty tents that they rent out out of their garage as a weekend warrior. And then seems like the ones who make it, everybody's in a big rush to grow up and get the, you know, the biggest tents and do the big events and corporate things and weddings. And so I'm very purposefully trying to stay as far away from that as possible. I'm very purposefully trying to just stay in the backyard, you know, thus the name. So we do parties for around 40 to maybe a hundred, hundred ish people. And that's kind of our core niche. And, and to be honest, it's sort of the scraps that nobody else wants. So they're really nice, easy events. You're not dealing with brides or, you know, corporate people who have to, this is like the biggest day of their life. Generally you're just working in somebody's backyard. They're celebrating a life event. It's a pretty stress-free type of occasion. So, you know, I've really been, purposefully trying to just hammer this niche that I think is really underserved today. So, you know, most tent companies want to do the biggest and fanciest tents out there. And then there's another segment of the market, which is the rental centers, you know, where you go to rent a, an auger to dig a hole in your backyard or something. And, and they all happen to just have the tents and tables as well. And it's a nice option, but they're not, they're equipment rental people. So the tents aren't great. The customer service isn't great. They're usually kind of handymen who just happen to rent out tents. So 
we try to stay right in this little niche of, you know, friendly customer service, like beautiful, elegant tents, all clean equipment and all that, and, and just stay in the backyard and hammer that niche. Yeah. How many tents do you have and uh, how long did it take you to get up to that number? Yeah. So right now I have probably 22-ish. And then my father has kind of a satellite location of my business and he's got another four. He kind of just does it as a going into his retirement as his kind of side income. So we have about 26 tents. And this year we did 200 tented events. So, you know, probably another 100 or 200 just small rentals, just chairs and tables, things like that. But as far as events with tents, we do probably a lot more than the average large tent company. So we do more number of events, but they're smaller events and obviously smaller revenue per per event, things like that. What about when you got started, you said you, you pretty much started with with one or two maybe ratty tents as you described it. You know, what uh can you take me through the startup process? You know, how much did you spend on those initial tents and and how was the growth process after you had those initial one or two tents? Sure. Yeah. So I was working in software for the last I don't know, for the first nine years or so after getting out of college and I had done tents as a job in high school and in college for one of the large companies. And I loved it, you know, get to be outside and I'm not a particularly handy guy, but you got to build something, you know, something large for 200 people. So it's a, it's a pretty great job for a, for a young guy trying to have a physical, you know, summer job. So I sort of had a thought in the back of my mind that you know, one day I would buy a couple of these and, and just do it on the side for, for basically beer money. So I bought two, you know, very small 20 by 30 canopies off of, I want to say Craigslist, but it, it could have been a flyer sent to the house or something. And I, I bought just the canvas. It didn't even come with the poles. And I probably spent like $900 and thought, well, you know, if this goes poorly right out of the gate, I'm out $900, no big deal. Um, And that's something I'll probably touch on a little bit later is, you know, being lean and not biting off more than you can chew. So, Mm -hmm. you know, so two tents, $900, maybe a couple of 50 used chairs for another $500. So I I probably started this for under $2,000 in the beginning. That's great. So what kind of, what kind of returns are you looking at? So, I mean, you talk about the growth process, you probably had a couple thousand in it. And then how long did it take you to start reinvesting and say, this is something I want to do. And what kind of profit margins are you looking at, at that kind of low investment? Again, as my day job in software at the time was in marketing. So I, I was a pretty competent online marketer, you know, put up a website and then the core engine of this business as far as advertising goes is Google AdWords. So, you know, you go to go to Google, you type in tent rentals, Boston, and I pay to be one of the top links. And that, that was an early driver of the business. So pretty quickly I was booking, you know, more jobs than I could handle as a moonlighter. I was working nine to five and then loading up my truck and putting up tents in the dark at six or seven o'clock at night. So, you know, scaled up 
fairly quickly and, and the margins in the rental world, I, I look at it as you're buying a piece of equipment. How many rentals will it take to break even on that purchase? So for example, if I buy a white folding chair, brand new, they're $10 a piece. And obviously I'm not buying one, I'm buying 200 at a time or 500 at a time. But, but if I buy one white folding chair for $10, I rent it out for $2.50. I break even after four rentals and the rest, you know, assuming you, you keep things clean and which is a huge part of this business, but taking care of the equipment. I mean, I, for chairs, which is kind of the bread and butter or one of the key parts of the business. I mean, you buy a chair, you break even after four rentals and then hopefully you rent it out 400 times before it gets a little beat up and you have to replace it. You said 400 uh, times? Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. I mean, if, if you take care of the equipment, it's, it's a never ending, you know, ne- never ending dividend, if you will. So yeah. for tents and all, all this stuff is white, which is tricky when you're in an outdoor business in New England and dirt and pollen and rain and leaves. And so it's not, it's not the easiest proposition in the world, but if you can really keep things clean and, and in good shape and not have to be replacing equipment every year, that's one of the biggest kind of uh, holes in your net in the rental business. If, if you're just having to replace equipment because of neglect or, or, you know, employees who don't care, things like that. Does no one ever ask for, Oh, I want a blue tent or I want a purple tent or like I want red chairs. <laughs> is, is that not really kind of like a like a niche that someone could get in? No, good good question. So it's it's actually the kind of the opposite. So people go out of their way to make sure that what they're renting is white only. Really? Hmm. You know, everybody's seen kind of the striped tents or, you know, the blue folding chairs that you see at a college graduation or high school graduation, but people go out of their way to to get white only. I don't want to be the guy who has eight different color chairs, a popcorn machine that I use yeah. twice a year. I, I try to limit my inventory only to the, the things that I know are going to be used in 90% of my parties. So I, well, I have two types of chairs. I try to keep it very lean. Yeah, there goes my business plan. So uh, I'll cancel the popcorn <laughs> machine. But what about a job? I imagine you said you did 200 rentals last year. Can you walk us through like a typical income statement? Like what is the typical range of revenue and then what are your costs associated with that job? And then typical profit or net profit margin on that individual job? Sure. Yeah. So the the niche that I serve, we're in, I'm just west of Boston. We're in a pretty affluent area. So I'm, I'm lucky in that regard that very few people are, you know, price sensitive, but just by the nature of the size of the parties that I'm doing. So a a typical event for me is say 60 people in somebody's backyard, which is a 20 by 40 tent, 60 chairs, some round tables, some long tables, things like that. The average revenue for that is probably about, about $750. Um, We are in and out for setup in, in probably 90 minutes. Takedown's probably a little faster than that. So I, I would say, you know, between transportation and labor, it's probably a five hour event that you can do pretty easily with two guys or very comfortably with three guys. 
you know, so labor comes in at about, I'll say 20% of revenue. So if I'm doing an $800 job, I'm probably paying, you know, $160, $200, something like that in, in labor costs. Um, and I can get into other other margins if, if needed. I don't know how far you want me to go. Well, I mean, I, I guess typically, I don't know if you've looked at a net, it sounds like labor is your biggest cost. We don't have to get into each individual ones, but if you could just skip to the bottom line and tell us what a typical, you know, what your gut for the net profit would be. Yeah. So gut for net, I mean, I'm, I'm out there, I'm still out there doing some of the work myself. I, I enjoy it. I'm in my second year doing this full time. So I'm, I'm actually still out there doing the labor uh, myself, but net we've been about 72% profitability. So about 28% of, uh, of my gross revenue goes towards expenses and 72% profit, which keep low overhead. Uh, I work myself, so I, I try to keep margins high. Well, you definitely have my attention. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so one of my core uh, rules that I try to follow for this business is the business works for me. I don't work for the business. So everybody wants the to buy a brand new fancy truck and put their logo on the side of it or buy a big beautiful warehouse for their equipment. We kind of do the opposite. I, I, overhead is the best way to sink the ship. So I I scour constantly scouring Craigslist for our next our next home for the business, our next warehouse or garage. Um, in the meantime, I, I found a diamond in the rough type place that we're bursting at the seams. We've got equipment stacked to the ceiling, literally, but keep the overhead down. You know, I bought a used truck storage and transportation, I think are probably two big ones. And especially where I'm at in Boston, where the commercial real estate is absurd. So just staying lean and, you know, would I be proud to show a person my home for the business? No, it's a small garage and, but it, it serves its purpose. And no one ever asked. In the end, I, exactly. I, I keep, keep that money in my own pocket. I don't need to give it to somebody else. So lean and mean is how we, how we try to run it. So you touched on a lot of operating expenses, which I kind of just want to round out. So I, I heard storage the expenses for your truck, uh, and then labor, which is one of the, the biggest operating expenses. W- is there anything else that you kind of have to spend money on to be able to continue the business running or, or you spend money on for every job? So advertising cost is pretty small. On an average year, I spend maybe six to, six to $8,000 a year on Google AdWords, which again, I can explain if, if you'd like, but it's just basically online advertising. Mm-hmm. And I mean, in, in my business, the season is so, it's such a seasonal business that, you know, I, I literally stopped counting. I, I told 250 people this June that, that I was sold out and then I just stopped counting. So finding the business or having to advertise really isn't a huge expense and it isn't a huge cost or, you know, it isn't a huge pain point rather, you know, and then there's, you know, the website and some small, you know, phone services for the business, but that, that stuff is nothing kind of compared to the the stuff we went over. So labor, 
yeah, the home for the business, the the truck, things like that. The seasonality portion of it, I think, is is an important point. We interviewed in, in episode five James Anderson, who did decorative lights, which is obviously a very seasonal business. So mm. I'm I'm curious about the season that backyard tents have. You know, it, it's definitely a summer thing, but you know, how much of the year can you actually be renting tents, and and what's really your dead period? Sure. So we are. We start doing events in April and I go through October, maybe into early November. And then in, in Boston, the weather gets a little wild. So for my, for my own mental sanity so that I can sleep at night, I just, I shut it down in, in early November Yeah. in my business. The thing that keeps you up at night, literally keeps you up at night is the wind. So the, my, my biggest fear is, you know, 60 mile an hour wind gusts and I have 20 tents set up out there. And so our season's probably six to eight months, you know, it really may and June are the Kings may, June, you know, the core of the season really may through September. Um, so, you know, one of the sacrifices is you, you work like a maniac for six months out of the year. And then you, probably work less than the typical person for the other six months. So, you know, being in good physical shape and having some financial discipline, knowing, you know, look, the money you make is, it's going to slow down in, in December. So it, you know, you have to budget and things like that. So very seasonal, which also has its challenges in terms of who I hire. So anybody who I, you know, who I'd love to hire as a, operations manager as a, you know, general manager to help grow this business, you know, they're, they're, no, there's not a lot of the, for them to do for four or five months out of the year. So it's tough to find a good hungry person who's only looking to work six to eight months a year. So that's a really tricky one in this business. Um, and I'm sure the same goes for like landscapers or like right. you said, your seasonal holiday lighting, but, mm-hmm. uh, but that's a tricky one as well. One question is you mentioned you went from one to 40 tents and is that over the two years? You mentioned two years full time. Is that right? Uh, one to about 24 tents. Oh, 24 and tents. Okay. Yeah. And that, that's been you. pretty gradual. Okay. So that's uh, been over probably the course of seven years. Okay. Uh, so has it been very organic, meaning you take the profits you've made and you buy more tents or once you knew that this thing was gangbusters, you were just like, I need to find money to buy 20 tents. It was more, more organic. So I had the luxury of, you know, this, this was a side business for seven years or so before I I quit my software job and made it the full-time endeavor. So when it was a side business, I, I probably only owned a half dozen, something like that. And over the last two seasons, I've kind of just, I've ramped up. What I try to do is, you know, I I buy a handful of our tents brand new, and then I'm always looking for auctions for companies going out of business. And I'll try to make smart purchases on, on, you know, gently used tents. If I can, if I can do that without damaging my brand or, or, you know, bringing somebody an old ratty tent. So you know, between buying nice new things and then always, I think one of the keys, one of the keys is just, I'm always shopping. I'm trying to buy things when I don't need them. 
So if the price is great, I'll take it. And if it's not, I'm, I'm happy to just walk away. I think that's a great strategy. I'm, you sound like you should hang out with us. That's kind of what I do all day. <laughs> so what if someone wanted to get in and get financing? I mean, is that something you would recommend or you would recommend kind of the organic way? I mean, it sounds like there's plenty of work out there. So if you kind of showed up with with 20 tents that you found a business that was going out of, you know, guy wanted to retire and you wanted to buy it uh, and you got financing for it, um, would you recommend something like that? Or have you heard of people getting financing for tents? I think it's one of those businesses that it's, it's a kind of a hairy beast and somebody off the street who's never done this before wanting to just jump into a, a business like this is probably pretty tricky. So saying, ah, you know what? I'm going to get into the rental business. I like the margins. I like what I heard on that podcast. I'm going to give it a go. I would be so in the other camp of saying, you know what? Don't quit your job yet. Buy two of them. Do it for a summer. Learn how it can go wrong. Learn the ropes and then decide if you want to scale. I get nauseous when I hear people saying, I'm going to start a business and then sinking in, you know, 140,000 into it. And, and then, you know, now you're climbing out of a hole. Even if you can get, you know, low cost financing, I, I'm always in favor of, you know, lean. I think I was, I think I read the lean startup years ago and that probably is part of the DNA now, but run it lean, leave yourself out. Right. I, I try not to carry too much. You know, I, I have a line of credit. We have a term loan to help you know, grow the business. But for the most part, I try to keep it lean and, and not sort of mortgage your future just in case things go sideways. Or if things don't go sideways, you know, for example, I've found other adjacencies in this business. So the core of the business is tent rentals. But in the last year or so in Boston, we've got a pretty healthy Jewish community. And I bought, they're called wedding huppas or wedding archways, which are basically just it's like an outdoor structure for people to get married under. And in traditional Jewish weddings, they, they get married under this structure and it's this goofy little niche, but I'm, you know, I'm already ranked really high when you search for those sort of things in my area. And, you know, you, you, you kind of stumble into opportunities, sort of bury yourself in debt and say, okay, now I have to do this. And now I've got to do it for X amount of years is, is a bit of a turnoff for me. That's great advice. So you mentioned things that can go wrong. And a lot of people out there say what can go wrong will go wrong. You know, you mentioned that the wind can keep you up, uh, you know, hazardous weather like that. What other things can go wrong that in many cases will go wrong that someone should be prepared for in a tent business? Sure. Yeah. So the wind is the scariest one because it's so horrific, I guess, when it does go wrong. I mean, to, if anybody listening wants to take a nice cold shower of reality, uh, you can go on YouTube and type in, you know, tents getting destroyed by wind. And, you know, it's pretty nasty. And, and obviously, if there's people under the tent or possessions nearby that can get destroyed. So the, the wind is the, you know, one of the main fears. But the other fear is, what we have to do to prevent against the wind is stake the tent down into the ground. And, and that's one of the other, you know, unknowns is literally driving three foot stakes down into the ground where 
you hope that there's not a gas line or electrical lines or a septic system, things like that. So for a typical job, those are probably the two biggest glaring, you know, how can this go sideways? And we've hit, you know, I've, I've hit a gas line before and, and thankfully it wasn't, it didn't end in an explosion, but it did end in, you know, my wallet being a few thousand dollars slimmer. Yeah. So logistically it's, it's really those things. What can go wrong with the setup, given that you're building a, you know, 1500 square foot structure in, in somebody's yard or at a public venue and, and it has to be anchored properly. And, you know, you hope if there is high winds that you can mitigate a little bit. I, I tell people, look, I always reserve the right to say, no, I'm, it's just not safe enough. I'm, I'm not going to do this tent for you. And, you know, I would hope I try not to be a vulture. I, I would never hold anybody's money or, or keep somebody's deposit or things like that. But, um, you know, ultimately it's, it's your gut. If you're not comfortable doing it, not, nothing's worth no job for, you know, $800 or $1,200 or, you know, it's, it's not worth the stress or the possible liability. Okay, great. Well, all that sounds really informative. I actually learned a lot and I don't know, maybe I'll consider buying a tent at some point. But um, at this point, we want to get to the big questions of our interview, which is the same two questions that we ask everyone on the show. First question would be, you know, what's one piece of advice for listeners wanting to enter the market that you could offer? Great question. All right. So I've had a few people in my life ask me that or, or try to get involved. I have my 63-year-old father running his own little tent branch, and I've helped a few buddies you know, start their own small operations in different parts of the country. And the one piece of advice I, can, I could give people, and this is for any side job or, or any passion project that they have, so I hope it's applicable regardless of whether it's tents or something else, but you don't just quit your job and then say, well, I have to replace my, my corporate salary next year. So I better get to work. I, I had this thing teed up and ready for five or six years before it was ready for, for me full time. So I think the one big mistake that people make is they just decide on a Wednesday that they hate their corporate job. And on Friday they give their notice. And now well, now we got to get moving. And instead I, I, you know, built something slowly and started to push the snowball down the mountain. And when the snowball was big enough, that's, that's when I, I made the jump. So, you know, financially or, or fiscally, it's just start it. You know, you're going to work long hours and, and feel like it's, it's not worth it, but build this thing, prove to yourself that it is going to work you know, prove to yourself that, okay, I can make, you know, X amount of dollars doing this, or there is that much demand out there and, and prove it two or three years straight before you, before you make a, a, a blind leap. So I think that's, that's always my best advice. No, that's, that's definitely good advice. Thanks. The, the second question is around resources. So is there a, a blog, a website, a video, a book maybe that you would recommend for someone that's listening to this podcast and says, Yes, I do want to buy a tent. What would what kind of resource would you, you kind of send their way? So tent specific, there are a handful of rental associations. So 
ARA being the biggest one, the American Rental Association. Um, and then there's some regional ones. For example, near me is, is Matra, Mid-Atlantic Tent Rental Association. So there's plenty of those kind of industry, you know, professional groups. I actually, the way I, the way we connected through Reddit is, is one of my best resources for any and everything. So we met on the subreddit for entrepreneurs and if it's out of the tent rental business and just general entrepreneurial advice, I think Reddit had been fantastic. And then just doing your due diligence and doing your homework uh, on Google, figuring out, you know, who, who out there is doing it the way I would want to do it. Do they seem successful? I use Instagram a lot just to see who, what are other tent companies posting? You know, what, what are my peers? You know, I, I keep track of other tent companies who started roughly the same time I did. How are they doing? How, how does it look like things are going for them? You know, and, and again, just not reinventing the wheel. I had a younger person I was kind of mentoring and, and he took my entire website and almost lifted it almost word for word and started his, his own website in a different geographic area in, in New Jersey. You know, rather than having to come up with all that stuff on your own, if, if you know it works, and I'm not advocating stealing, but, you know, you can borrow inspiration, yeah. uh, you know, if, if you see people out there doing it, doing it right. Yeah. One part B to this question is you mentioned Google AdWords and as entrepreneurial as I am, and I'm just not very good at marketing when it comes to Google, uh, what source for someone who wants to learn about Google AdWords would you point them to? Beautiful. Yeah. So Google's main goal is to get more advertisers on that platform. And one of the ways they do it is to make it as easy as humanly possible. So they do a couple of things. They start you with a training wheels version of their product called AdWords Express. And it's for total newbies. You just, it's a very watered down, lightweight version of their advertising product. And it's the average person can, can get through it. Google also owns YouTube, and there is a zillion AdWords guides or you know tutorials, things like that. So, you know, their their main goal is to get more advertisers up there because that means I have to now bid against ten other tent companies if I want to be that top listing in Google. So, you know, the more advertisers they get, the healthier the competition is, and the more the clicks cost. So. They make it very, very easy. And I believe if you're willing to spend a certain amount of money, they actually give you a person to help you get started. So Google for, you know, as a small business, America has a love affair with small businesses, but as far as big businesses go, they are top notch. It's, they're very transparent, they're very honest. They're advertising products. It's the only form of paid advertising I do and I'm sure it sounds like I'm I'm almost shilling for them right now, but I can't recommend them enough. And even for neophytes, even for new guys, they make it very easy. Henry, you're just asking for a friend, right? Not self-serving at all. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> sounds great. Thank you for that. So where can people find more about you? Yeah, so guys, thank you so much. So nice and easy. The name of the business, you can find us at backyardtent.com or on Instagram at Backyard Tent. We are actively searching for franchisees, so people who are interested, 
but don't want to dive into this completely, you know, uh, inexperienced or completely on their own. Um, so we've helped a handful of other small entrepreneurs get started with tent rental business. So we give you a hand with the website and the marketing and some advice on how to get started. So, so right at backyardtent.com, uh, there should be some information there about our little franchising program. So I, again, I totally appreciate you guys having me. No, thank you. That was great information. Thanks. So Henry, I think we should buy a tent. That was pretty cool, huh? Yeah. Count me in. <laughs> what are your thoughts on the tent business? I want to be straight up with you. I think from a uh, from an owner operator standpoint, I like it. From an investor standpoint, I love it. If you can find someone to own and op or kind of half own and operate and put in the the sweat equity, then I would gladly put up the money to something that was seventy two percent profit. But I mean, it's scalable. It's very straightforward. You just gotta. It's really a lot of work, but I like it. I like it a lot too. And I thought kind of the keys for me were you got to have fun with it. So Jim actually worked in the tent business at first and, and he said he enjoyed it. So that's pretty key. And then being lean is key. Jim runs his business pretty cheaply. So that resonates with probably both of us and think long-term, you know, don't expect to get rich overnight, but I think over the long term, it's a very good business. You're listening to the business shorts podcast, where we interview successful small business owners in unique markets, all in under 30 minutes. If you want to start a small business and you're not sure what market to enter, or you're looking for actionable advice on how to improve your existing business, you're in the right place. For more information, show notes, and more, check out bshortspodcast.com.